Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Death Nerve, a horror movie podcast. This is another episode recorded remotely during the uh, coronavirus lockdown. In this episode I'll talk to Norwich-based poet Flora Wheeler about the 2011 horror satire The Cabin in the Woods. Flora's a really big horror fan and we have a lovely chat about Cabin in the Woods and how much she loves it and how much she loves horror in general. Um, It's another really good one. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you're liking it, please spread the word and share it around with people you think might like it. It really helps. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, cheers. Enjoy the podcast. Awesome. Well, how I normally start is I ask, is, are you are you a uh, horror fan? Are you a fan of horror films? Massive, massive horror fan. I, I absolutely love it. Cannot get enough. And pretty much any kind of horror. Well. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of torture porn, but it's got its place. Uh, but anything, psychological thrillers, proper body horror. I No, I've been watching horror since I was far too young to start watching it. <laughs> and I, I, yeah absolutely massive fan so yeah a big fan (laughs) (laughs) what was your what was like you said you were watching it when you were way too young what was like your first experiences of watching horror what was the first uh, film you remember seeing oh i remember i saw nightmare on elm street when i was eight um which was fantastic um but also um oh it's not quite horror but it's creepy but like yeah when I was like 10 11 my parents were showing me you know like Pulp Fiction um Rocky Horror Picture Show uh Jerry Springer the Opera like (laughs) just very kind of weird surreal supernatural creepiness it's the first time we've had Jerry Springer the Opera mentioned (laughs) fantastic it's good I love Jerry Springer the Opera yeah Yeah, I got to go see it live um, and there were loads of Christian protesters outside and I think I was about 12 years old and the look of horror on their face (laughs) realising I was going to see it but it was brilliant awesome Um, so uh, you you've asked to speak about Cabin in the Woods why yeah. uh, why a cabin in the woods? Why that film in particular? Um, so it's just, yeah, I think I've said it's the ultimate love letter to horror as a genre. It's just really funny. Um, just it, it's not quite satirical, but it just takes all these wonderful little tropes that we see over and over again and really kind of dissects them in a way that still keeps up that energy and that that. Um, heartbeat that that horror films really good horror films have yeah it is it is a particularly good a good one i think cabin in the woods is like a a really clever idea um when when did you first see it when was like did you see it when it first came out in the cinema or was it something you discovered later no i discovered it later so one of my ex-boyfriends um so i've always been obsessed with joss whedon like buffy i am all over that love it forever (laughs) um and one of my boy my ex-boyfriends just said you have to see Cabin in the Woods at some point. And I knew that it was a really important recommendation because we'd broken up already. <laughs> and he messaged me just to be like, I don't want to like meet up or anything, but you have to see Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And I think I must have watched it like once a year ever since, like at the minimum. You're saying you're into Joss Whedon, so you like you is uh 
has he done much horror? I suppose Buffy's quite horror-like, isn't it? I've not seen Buffy since it was on telly, to be fair. Oh, I can't really. Same, same. <laughs> no, that was something I was far too young for as well. And, uh, no. yeah. yeah, lots of great Buffy horror elements in there. Um, yeah, the gentlemen, they always creep me out. Even the gentlemen? I don't remember them. What one's that? So it's from the episode uh, Hush, which is the one without any dialogue or with very little dialogue. Ah, oh, yes. And yeah, like yeah. These creepy little float, like creepy floating dudes, bald dudes in suits uh, that steal people's hearts and, and their voices. Yeah, I remember that one. That's a particular. That's like again, I'm not I'm, again. I've only seen Buffy when it was on telly, um, but like, <laughs> well, time for you know, a I remember that, that's, Yeah, maybe I will. It's, I think it's on Amazon or something, isn't it? I think I might have to uh, give it a go. Yeah. I like Fire. I really like Firefly. We're talking. Uh, I love Firefly. Yeah. I I love Firefly. Um, and did did you know that in Cabin in the Woods? I don't know if we're doing like a plot breakdown beforehand, but the Reavers <laughs> do make an appearance. Oh, do they? Where where do they? Where do they pop up? So when the monsters are, you know, going ham on the uh, facility, um, you can see there's a guy who's like tossed over a balcony and he's tossed over a balcony by a reaver from Firefly. Ah, cool. Yeah, see that I didn't I didn't get that. That's <laughs> it's full of it's full of little references and nods to other mm. stuff though, isn't it, Cabin the Woods? Oh, uh, God yeah. That whole whiteboard full of monsters is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what ones are on there. I think it says Deadites on there, Evil Dead, doesn't it? Yeah, um, and Angry Molesting Tree, which is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the best way to reference Evil Dead, I think, in the world. <laughs> mm. it, like you said, it's a perfect like love letter to like horror films and stuff. Um, what what would like? Did you know much about it before you went in? Did you know there was going to be this weird twist in it? Did you think it was going to be like standard sort of horror film? No, I went in blind, and I'm really, really glad I did. Um, yeah. And it was just I, I I just knew from from that opening sort of sequence where it just starts off with this really kind of like weird, chill, slightly unsettling conversation that's that's funny that you know they're talking about baby proofing cabinets and being pissed off at their wife. Um, and then it just pops up with that classic like scream title card that so many horror movies do. And I was just like, okay, this is something very different. This is going to be, I, I just, I like that was when I was like, that's just a perfect introduction. So no, I went in totally blind and I was thrilled with every single like little bit of revelation that came with it. Yeah, I think it's probably the best way of going into that film, isn't it? Not mm-hmm. knowing nothing about it, assuming you're going to go and see sort of like a schlocky Evil Dead re- like rip off. But actually, well, it's very something. What was that terrible Eli Roth one? Uh, Cabin Fever. Oh, I love Cabin Fever. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, don't. Have time for it. I saw that when I was fourteen, and I was like, "This is naff." Oh, <laughs> uh, I enjoy it. It's uh, it is pretty like. Pretty cheesy and gross, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the effects were pretty great. It's just, nah. It's just none of them were likable, which is something this... That is true. That, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's a good, a good like, jumping-off point, I think. Yeah. It's like, um, again, the characters in Cabin in the Woods are, like, they're obviously, like, they're set sort of, like, roles, and that's, like, explained in the film, but they are, like, they are really likable characters, I think. Well, I think they're likable because their set roles aren't actually who they are because the, the, you know, the facility kind of like manipulates their, their thinking and their behaviour. So you, you start off with this kind of, I don't, I just, 
I really liked the the introduction to them to them all, like right at the start, where you know they didn't start off with the traditional you know obviously it comes from The Shining, but in the car on the way to the creepy destination, um, but they actually took the time to kind of just do this little little interplay between people who really seem like friends, and of course just Marty rolling up giant bong window. <laughs> Yeah, I think they are really likable, and I think they actually kind of speak to each other in a way that feels realistic, which makes the sort of uh, the the manipulation by the facility feel much more interesting. Yeah, I think if they'd started off being like, "Well, we've made them these, 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 and these," and then we're going to shove them in, it just wouldn't have. I wouldn't have cared about them to the same extent at all. Well, they were just written as sort of stereotype characters instead of it sort of explaining how they became the stereotypes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really like that. Like you said, the the idea that, like, the facility are, like, manipulating them. Like, uh, it begins at the girls, like, dyed her hair blonde. Mm-hmm. And they're all a bit, well, why, why are you blonde? Why it doesn't... <laughs> then I like the... Is it uh, Chris Hemsworth, his character? Yeah. Where, like, he's supposed to be the sort of, like, meathead jock. And everyone's like, but he's like really clever. He's like, why is he? Why is he doing this? Scholarship, and he's talking about so yeah, yeah. economic structures. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool idea. I really like the um, like the fact that it sort of ex- like it explains is probably not the right word. Yeah, it explains like mm. horror in general. It makes sense. Like, it makes you sort of watch other horror films in a different way. You can sort of watch yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, imagining that it's being manipulated by the facility. Exactly. It's exactly. Um, yeah, and I love that there was that kind of, that, like, so there's a theory that, because um, they make reference to, like, a failed scenario in the 90s, I think it was 97, uh, and a lot of people think that that was the faculty. And if you watch the faculty back, thinking about it, you go, yeah, actually, kind of, it kind of works, sort of works. Um, but that was one where I explicitly was like, yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it and pretend that it's in this universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, there's a little reference where he says, oh, do you remember that you could just throw a girl in a volcano and things like that? <laughs> <laughs> and you see oh. the sort of different shots of the different sort of rituals around the world that like they show, like, in Japan, don't they? And it's all the different styles of horror. Yeah. And there's, like, a giant gorilla in Sweden, I think. <laughs> just, yeah. And, and I, I absolutely love the, sort of the Japanese mini storyline. Mm. I thought that was such a clever way of, of kind of looking at horror tropes around the world and just that hilarious moment um where one of the directors is just like staring at the screen full of little children who've survived just going fuck you fuck you <laughs> fuck you <laughs> yeah, I, re- I, I really like just the idea of people like of the people in the facility watching it like we're watching it like i like yeah. there's that scene where it's sort of the, the typical they're gonna go skinny dipping scene and yeah. then they're all just waiting for the girl to take her top off. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think um, it's Bradley Whitaker. Um, he makes he makes this sort of line like, "We got to give him a show." Like, the, like you got to have tits out in a horror film. It's it's <laughs> yeah. almost the law. Um, <laughs> um, no, I just. Well, yeah, there is that whole kind of um, idea that a lot of it is a metaphor for horror films in general, 
in the you know there's the directors there's an audience that's very bloodthirsty that um we want these very sort of shallow specific things and we want this kind of sense of punishment and i I think that's that's interesting but it's not my favorite uh way to read the film i think that going a little bit too meta with it even though i'm like yep makes perfect sense brilliant theory I, i like the, I like the idea of really buying into the universe itself a lot more, I think. So what, what do you mean? I uh, Like um, reading it less metaphorically and more like literal? Yeah. So I, I, I really, like, like, once I twigged the metaphorical reading, I was like, that's fuck off clever. Um, but I think when I've rewatched it in different times and I've rewatched it sometimes with the view of like, right, I want to catch what I can in terms of this it's it's a metaphor for for you know the audience's appetite for horror and the way like that's manipulated but really the most fun i've ever had watching it is when i just go in and i go this is i'm i'm just going to immerse myself in the story and like completely suspend disbelief suspend like trying to read it really critically um and instead just sort of go oh yes that is a really specific horror thing that they've just wonderfully <laughs> turned around um, and just really appreciate the world building of it, which I just think is it's one of the better examples, I think, of, of a relatively complex world building in, in, in a more recent horror. Yeah, so what other, like, what other examples do you mean for like, world building in recent horror? I suppose it's something that's got quite often ignored, isn't it, in horror in general, like the world building aspect? Yeah. Um, so I think that it's 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 tricky i think that um a lot of horror films in recent years have become very grounded in um not just one particular location but in a as in a very domestic setting you look at things like hereditary there's 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 kind of a, a less of a sense of creating a bigger scale you know you look back at, at something like alien and just like the the huge setup of of that kind of corporate space industrial world compared to these kind of quieter more domestic horrors that we're seeing a lot of these days I think or like like Oculus was was all the rage a few years ago and that's very very much grounded in one particular person's experience if if that makes sense yeah yeah Oculus what one was Oculus that one about the mirror yeah yeah, with um, Karen Gillan in it, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have seen that. Yeah, that was quite a good horror. That was quite a good film, though. Quite an interesting idea, and I, I, I quite like horror that's about like a, a spooky object. Do you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And speaking of spooky objects, yeah. the basement in. Oh yeah, yeah. Urban in the woods. <laughs> so I, I actually like. Okay, so we've just moved into this house. Um, and we made a discovery in the bathroom that I'm going to show oh, you. I don't know if you want to describe it as we go. <laughs> oh, God, this is turning into a horror film now. This is like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, like this. We have a trap door. Oh, my God. In the bathroom. That leads <laughs> down to a cabin in the woods, creepy oh basement. God. Yeah. So, a, a very... That yeah, that looks like a very horror film setup there that you're about to go in. I'm watching you on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 
<laughs> but it goes all the way back. So yeah, for Halloween, one of our songs wow. is have you, have you, have you down into your, into your I system. have, yeah. It's actually really big. Um, it's a, like full of cobwebs and like little weird alcoves because the house is, I think it's like Georgian that's been converted. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's like a hole in the, like a, one brick missing in one of the walls and you can shine through and see the next basements. Proper horror movie stuff. Yeah. We have to set that up. You have to make that into your own little horror horror cinema. Like, you know, you have to set that up, put a good projector right. in there. Next time you watch <laughs> Cabin in the Woods, you've got to watch it in your terrifying Cabin in the Woods yes. basement. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my plan for Halloween. We're going to fill it there with strange things and then make everyone watch Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> you should do an all-nighter, all watch loads of different horror films that are in spooky basements. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I think I'd be too scared to have that in my house. I think I'd be, uh, especially in the bathroom, like, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> sitting on the toilet, terrified that I would leap out of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I love it. We loved it. As soon as we realised, we were like, we've got a trap door and a murder cellar. Like, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That scene in the basement in Cabin in the Woods is like, that's full of lovely little references and stuff as well, isn't it? Oh, fantastic stuff. I like, just the, just the real like richness of all these different props and, and, and the kind of tension, because at that point you haven't seen any of the monsters, have you? What you've no. seen is what's on the whiteboard and what these little, like just menagerie of creep, like... <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, there's the the, the boxes. So there's the uh, Hellraiser reference, isn't there? With the what's the what's the little puzzle called? The um, lament configuration. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else is there down there? There's uh, there's the old creepy wedding dress. There's the um, like film reels. Isn't there like a shell as well for that's supposed to be like the mer merman? Yeah. 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 Like obsession with the merman is amazing <laughs> and like just because i think because it had been brought up like that he really wanted it i think every single one of us when um chris hensworth like like blows the dust off of it everyone's going blow the conch blow the conch <laughs> that merman that would be i would love to see a horror film that had like a merman killer i don't know if that exists that's, that probably is oh, somewhere there'll, but there'll be something from like yeah. 1985 that's got like four pound <laughs> budget like <laughs> yeah, yeah my sort of film yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> there's a it does pay off for the merman at the end though that character does get uh brutally slaughtered by the oh merman oh god i loved it uh, that, and just that final, like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And, like, <laughs> I thought it was amazing, like, that kind of, like, Aria-style music, and it's just, like, slapping its wet feet towards him. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. And then he bites, and this shower of blood comes out of, like, the back of it. And I was like, okay, that made it. That made it for me. I, like, just to, just for that the payoff of, oh, the cleanup on the mermaids is horrible. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah, I, w I would definitely watch that film if it, the, the Merman murder film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other creatures from like? Oh, see what if you were in the creepy basement? What do you think you would have like picked up and played? Oh my with? god! Um, I don't. Uh, oh, 
none of them. They're all too terrifying. Probably the fox. <laughs> probably the sort of hell. Because isn't it like a, a in this is like an orb thing, isn't it? It's yeah. a sort of hell ish type thing. Probably that. I quite like a puzzle box, so I probably <laughs> get that. And that wouldn't end well, I don't think. Um, no. I've seen Hellraiser enough to know that doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what I play with. I think it's hard without the benefit of high, you know, without being going into a blind because I'm like, I don't know. I probably just, I probably, I probably play with like the wedding dress and the necklace and just be like, get haunted by some terrible ghost bride. Yeah. Yeah, do you see, is there like, yeah, there are sort of, in the end, there's like a sort of one that connects to that, isn't there? Is there like a sort yeah. of like spooky bride ghost sort of thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, but the Sugar Plum Fairy is one of my, from the from the music box, is one of my oh, favourite yeah, character yeah. designs. I think that's, just all of, all of the monster designs in this film are fantastic. And in some ways, I'm almost disappointed a little bit. Like, I think I shared the disappointment of a lot of people that the Buckners were the ones that were picked. The, you know, the zombie redneck torture family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the same way, I think it was probably best that it was sort of a, a very kind of classic, but still unique monster, that it wasn't... Um, I think that it was important that the uh, the monster didn't overtake the world itself that it was building up to in the kind of sense. Uh, and so while I like, while my heart goes, yeah, but I want to see the sugar plum fairy fuck people up, and I want to see all of this, you know, in this proper length. I want I want to see what would have happened, you know, if Kevin, who's just a guy apparently, was summoned. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of. Well, it's almost genius that that every single idea that they put forward for a monster, I go, I want to see that, and then they give me the one that I'm like, okay, this is proper classic horror, and it doesn't detract, like it doesn't become a monster movie in the same way. Does that? Yeah, no, no I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I quite like the fact that the um, like they're in the on the periphery, the sort of strange, the stranger things. It does make sense that they went for the sort of standard. Standard monster as, as it's not the most interesting, but it makes sense for that film, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the um, like the all the sort of references and stuff. What other sort of other sort of horror films in uh, they reference in there that you're a fan of? We talk about Hellraiser. Are you into Hellraiser? Uh, honestly, I'm not that into Hellraiser, but um, it's one of those ones where I sort of have to go. Oh, I watched it on Channel Four at like two o'clock in the morning when I was 15 I should probably go back and give it another shot um yeah not hugely to Hellraiser I mean I'm always like a, yeah I think with the Buckley's um a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre which they were really giving me that vibe cannot get enough of Ch uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre um <laughs> um I really think um let me have a look at them I mean Evil Dead Evil Dead Evil Dead 2 Army Darkness. <laughs> My babies, I love them. Yeah. Bruce Campbell is an icon, a legend, and he could forever get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're doing a new one apparently, right? I read that Bruce Campbell said he's like producing a new um, Evil Dead film. I don't think Sam Raimi's making it. I think there's, but they're going to be their producers and stuff. Well, Should be I, interesting. Yeah, I was really, um, I was very pleasantly surprised by Ash versus Evil Dead, which. I've, I've not seen it yet. I saw the first episode and I've not watched it. I know. 
Oh, that's shameful. Doing a horror movie podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a bit worried because I love Evil Dead so much. I just don't want to be yeah. disappointed by it. I think. Right, yeah. I think it's. I think you go into it very differently. It's um, got. A, it's got a different feel. I think to Evil Dead. It's. Uh, it. It's kind of like Evil Dead, but with the, the sort of attitude of like Baba Hotep or. Okay. Yeah. If you've seen Baba Hotep. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Baba Hotep. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. I love it to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that'll be... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, I'll have to watch it. I think, is it on one of the sort of... Is it on Netflix and stuff? I think it's on I one of them. Yeah, I think it was a while ago. Um, but oh, it was oh, produced oh. by the Stars Network, whatever that is. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God knows. <laughs> But, you know, I've heard, I've heard it is good, and like uh, my my brother, who's also a big Evil Dead nut, really liked it. So I, you know, I'll have to. I've got another recommendation from you now. So I'll have to. I'll have to jump in. I'll have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what about again? It's you were talking about the sort of like the sort of teen sort of characters getting picked off. Are you into the sort of like slasher sort of like body count sort of films? Yeah, like I am. I very much am. But I've got to be in the right mood for them. Um, Honestly, sometimes I just like seeing dumb, slutty young people get killed. And I don't know if it's because I'm a self-hating dumb, slutty young person or if it's if it's just there's just something really. No, I, I, I very much like Friday the 13th, Hall- the Halloween films. I really like Nightmare on Elm Street um, and controversially. One of my favourites being Wes Craven's A New Nightmare. Um, I love A New Nightmare. I spent a long time talking about New Nightmare on the last two episodes of this. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the last episode was Nightmare on Elm Street and the one before that was Scream. So here we're, it's been a lot of Wes Craven love on this podcast recently. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Always Craven some Craven. Like, forever. <laughs> no, there's no nothing shameful about loving New Nightmare. New Nightmare's a brilliant film. Fabulous. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I, yeah, no, I've, I've met some horror purists who are like, oh, well, it's not really in keeping with the soul of it. And I'm like, just go away. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's more more in the soul of the original than any of the sequels, I think, New Nightmare, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with you. I agree. Um, uh, I think the ones I watch the most in terms of horror, probably, uh, I'll watch quite a few slashes. But the ones I'll tend to rewatch tend to be the zombie movies and like the the real body horror, like um, the thing is one of my all time favorites, and I love that because it's like a combination of slasher and body horror. And <laughs> the thing is my favorite film of all time. If you look next to me, there's oh, a big fabulous. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite film of all time. Yeah, ditto. One of my exes grew a beard. He looked like a young Kurt Russell, and I was like, "Can you put a Parker on, please?" <laughs> Cosplay, cosplay McCready for me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I love a bit of Kurt Russell. <laughs> oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> Kurt Russell is a universal truth. Yeah, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, no, the thing, the the thing is just yeah, be- a beautiful film. Perfect, perfect piece of cinema. Yeah. And yeah. so you're in, you're into like the gory stuff as well. Then you like the sort of gory. Oh, is oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it, and I love a good practical effect. Yeah. Um, uh, Tom Savini is a master, and I will forever appreciate him for <laughs> all the beautiful, beautiful 
terrible makeup in Dawn of the Dead. No. <laughs> um, no I bright, red, bright red crayon blood in Dawn of the Dead. That's what I but like. That's, yeah. that's what blood looks like. That's the thing. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Cause they, like, with so many films, they mix it with corn syrup, make it darker so it looks real on screen. But like blood is bright, bright red. It is exactly like that. Ketchup, nail polish, Tom Savini thing. <laughs> And I, I, I'm always like, yeah, no, that's that's technically correct, guys. The rest of it, no, that's not what a zombie would look like, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of practical effects. Uh, again, the thing, amazing for that. Uh, the fly, fantastic. Um, and I've got space and time for CGI, but I really, I find practical effects, just like the, the weight and the fleshiness of it, that's what I really like. And I liked that a lot of the effects on the Buckners in Cabin in the Woods were practical. You could see that they were practical. Um, and I liked that the CGI itself didn't seem to overpower. Like, I don't like it when everything is absolutely... Like... But yeah, I think, I think Cabin in the Woods... Yeah, yeah. I think Cabin in the Woods um, uses the CGI and practical effects in the right way where, like... The CGI is there to make the practical effects just a bit better. Yeah, it's to like, kind of enhance the landscape as well. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of there's certain shots in that that you couldn't do without CGI. No, I always find it strange when you see a film and they use CGI just to do like a bit of blood splatter and stuff. It's yeah. so strange. Yeah. Oh no, and I just think, would it really take that much longer to just put put on? Some- <laughs> Just, I just, yeah. yeah, I just love the, the, the thinking like, oh my god, someone carved that thing, or someone puppeteered that, and like, yeah, I always say like the the like one of the appeals of the sort of the horror films, especially like the sort of ones that are very special effects heavy, is watching it just trying to work out how they did it. Yeah, it's like you watch some of the stuff in the thing, and you're like, how is that even yeah. possible? Or like um, American Girls in watch... London, like, yeah. oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the, the transformation scene in that is uh, like that hand. Like I, I, I think that's such a fantastic shot, and I'm absolutely in love with it. For that. I think the, the genius to that is where how it's how like most horror movies when it's like a werewolf sort of transformation scene, they like well the thing's sort of guilty of this. Whereas a lot of the special effects are sort of hidden in shadows, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing. It's lit really nicely, but it's, it's sort of in the shadows. Yeah. Whereas American Wolf in London, that transformation scene, it's stark, brightly lit. You can see everything. Yeah, like, which is yeah. amazing, and oh, yeah, all hail practical effects <laughs> forever. I'll sacrifice any number of teenagers to the ancient gods of practical effects. <laughs> yeah, um, well, there. Yeah, that's the, the, the one of the interesting things in Cabin in the Woods is that it's sort of it's almost got that sort of Lovecraft sort of thing where it's like <laughs> ancient gods that they're sacrificing to. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, uh, yeah, I've got a. I really enjoy kind of the, like the Lovecraft aesthetic, even if I'm not a huge fan of his writing, which I know is blasphemy. No, I always <laughs> think with Lovecraft that he's like got amazing ideas, like amazing. Yeah. But his again, he wasn't the best writer, and again, a bit a bit dodgy with some of his beliefs. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I... yeah. <laughs> you're very racist. No, but but yeah, I... those ideas in Lovecraft are genius. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic, and I really want to see. Um... So Nicolas Cage has just done a Lovecraft adaptation. Called... Colour Out of Space, yeah. yeah. Yeah! I really want to see that, just because... It's, it's 
It's very good, yeah. It's very good. I think if you like sort of gory special effects and a bit of body horror, then I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. There's a, there's a bit in it that's very similar to The Thing, actually. There's a, quite a few, like, <laughs> Thing references in there, and it's, yeah, it's really good. I really, really liked it. It's quite quite grim, but, yeah. Well, I like grim. I like grim. Yeah. Nothing like grim. And I like, <laughs> once you've seen The Mist, there's nothing quite so grim that will ever get you again. Oh, The Mist is amazing. I love that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The Mist's amazing. Um, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people sort of, Frank Darabont, a lot of people go on about Shawshank Redemption and uh, and that, but The Mist, The Mist's his best film. That film is oh. just perfect, uh, I think, is, yeah. Yeah. You know, he originally wanted to do it in entirely in black and white? Yeah, I've got the Blu-ray where you can, the second disc, it's all on black, in black and white. I've not watched it, but... Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that would have worked slightly better. And that's another one where I'm a little bit sad that clearly someone somewhere along the process insisted that everything be cgi and when you've got a low budget cgi does not age yeah very well so you've got amazing like glass shattering practical effects and then just like a, a tolerable bug coming yeah no, yeah yeah i think it was quite a low budget uh low budget film wasn't it and i yeah. imagine making all those monsters and stuff practically mm. would probably be uh quite a big chunk of their budget but um, again it's like it's similar to like um films like you know night of the living dead where it's like mm. a low budget all set in one setting sort of like a siege sort of thing yeah i think that's the yeah, brilliant film the mist yeah yeah go and and like what i liked about the mist as well as it combined a little bit of yeah like you say that kind of siege zombie feeling with like a little bit of the wicker man which is one of my favorites of all time um and uh and yeah, it was just very like it, it's it's rare that St Stephen King likes an adaptation that changes anything, um, <laughs> and actually admits that it was changed for the better. But, um, yeah, well, Stephen King always there always needs to be some editing there. Jesus, like, God, Christ, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you into Stephen King? Do you like Stephen I King? Am. I actually am into Stephen King, like. Like, I was just like, I, I used to be, like, so I, mean, I read Cujo when I was, like, 13, and I was like, okay, I'm into this. Uh, and then I went through, like, I've still got different seasons somewhere. Uh, and I, I do like him. I just, you have to be very aware that it's Stephen King. So, like, <laughs> I, and, like, his female characters are not written well at all whatsoever. So I've been listening to The, the Stand on audiobook. And this, one of the characters, you know, classic Stephen King, old magical black person. Um, <laughs> like, she's talking about, like, think, she's, like, reminiscing about having sex with her husband because she's, like, 102 now. And she's like, sometimes when I climax, I think of the corn and the bright corn. And I'm like, no woman in the history of the world has ever thought about corn while they're coming. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King, he does seem to be a bit obsessed with um, sort of, sex and stuff in his books for no reason yeah. he sort of puts like, yeah strange. no it pops up on like the, the sort of like you, you know places making fun of like the way men write women a lot like oh yeah um, okay yeah yeah Imagine. Um, <laughs> but I, I like i like the um but again it's one of those ones where i like the ideas enough that i can skip past or like not hugely care i laugh i laugh at it more than i go well that's ruined the book if that makes sense yeah yeah and I think Stephen King generally seems to be like 
a fairly, a fairly good guy, I think. I don't know when yeah. you see like stuff he does, you think, oh yeah, you're probably like you know you've had your you've had your, your problems in the past, but he seems well, like he's sort of on the level now. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I didn't understand how it could be so long until I tried cocaine for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, well, see, I've I've never I've never uh, I'm not into drugs, but I can imagine that book is uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the, what book is it that he says he can't remember writing? It's it might Cujo. be Cujo. Actually. It's Cujo. Yeah, Cujo. I can't remember writing Cujo. Yeah. It's probably the best. Like, I've got a real soft spot for it. Because um, I love a, a proper, like, trapped, trapped film. But, well, not film, you know what I mean, book. Like, the film of it is god-awful in, in the, in the no, long... I've never actually seen Cujo. I've never seen it. Yeah, it, it, It's very much in the long tradition of terrible 90s adaptations of Stephen King works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they definitely churned them out, the sort of Stephen King adaptations. There's a lot of them. Yeah. What, what, um, what ones, like the Stephen King adaptations, or what particular good ones? I mean, The Shining's the most obvious one, isn't it, I think? Shining's pretty great, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Darabont, Shawshank Redemption and The Mist, uh, which we've covered. I think also, I would say, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm at that age where I have such a love for the original TV movie adaptation of It, purely because of my obsession with Tim Curry and he saved it. <laughs> And like when John Ritter is bad in something, you know that that script was a mess. Like... <laughs> yeah, I have a very, I have a soft spot for that um, TV adaptation. I think the first half, because it's two parts, isn't it? The first mm. part I think is really good, like really, really yeah. good. Oh, and then when it gets to the second part with the adults, it's less interesting. I mean, that's the problem with it in general, really. I think yeah. the stuff with the kids is is really good and really interesting. It's it definitely loses steam when it become when it's oh, about the adults. Without a doubt, um, yeah, I, I, I actually one Stephen King adaptation that I think is not given enough love is Ian McKellen starred in it. It was uh, an adaptation of Apt Pupil. Ah, see, I've, no, I've never seen it. No, I know the film. Um, I've never read the book either. But it's a short story. Is it Apt Pupil? It's it, short or? story. Yeah, it's in, it's in the different seasons anthology, which also has like Shawshank Redemption, Stand by Me, like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I was weird as a teenager. I was, like, I was either reading Jane Austen or Stephen King, and there was no in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I like to do, I'm going to go back to Cabin in the Woods. What I like to do yeah. is I like to read one-star reviews oh, from IMDb, the film we're talking about. So there was some some odd ones that I found. <laughs> so the, I'm going to go from a, a a short one first. Okay, it says the the headline is just conned. It leads nowhere. Waste of time. I trusted it would have a satisfactory ending. And that, that's the review. Did you see that someone uh, asked them whether they were going to do a sequel and they just went, did you see the film? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You could sort of miss the point of that ending as much, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Below Zero. <laughs> Hardly seen such a terrible movie. I was waiting for the plot and waiting for the good movie, but it only got worse. Are they sure they're not talking about Cabin Fever? They haven't gotten confused. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, they, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I've got to do a more substantial one. Okay. This movie was probably the dumbest movie I've ever seen. 
the jump scares were so obvious and does not really classify it as a horror movie to me. What? What? You want less obvious jump scares? Oh, I'm sorry it wasn't unfriended. I... <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's what it was like when you were showing me the scary basement earlier on. It was... Uh... I subverted expectations. No jump. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Everything in this movie was predictable and had absolutely no originality. What? I don't understand how. How would you predict what was going to happen in in that? I I don't. What the? How can you say that it's not got originality? (laughs) I. Like, oh, that one just pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty much bored throughout the entire movie. Nothing actually made sense. Where some characters should have died, they didn't. And when some of them should be okay, they instantly died. But that's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the whole (laughs) point that horror movies do that constantly. Uh, it just seemed like they were trying to make fun of another movie. Uh, well, it's also, not exactly Meet the Spartans, is it? I... Also, they should have named the movie something else. This movie was a waste of my time, and I'm so glad I didn't spend money to watch it in the cinema. You can't say they should have called it something else and then not give it a different suggested name. Yeah, also, yeah, like, calling yeah, it's a about a cabin in the woods, it couldn't be more on the nose, could it? Maybe yeah. they watched watch a different film. Maybe they just watched uh, Taxi Driver or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this, this film about a cabin in the woods was really about a taxi driver. One star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, some people say it's good, this one. That's what it says. Okay. Wow, some people actually think this is a good movie. All the good reviews say that the old gods are actually us in metaphor form. But this is still a stupid premise. So what if the horror movie industry has stereotypes? People like to bring friends and laugh about a horror movie together. Or bring a date and hold each other. Or just shrug it off later with a sigh of relief. That what? the horror wasn't that bad. What? I'm just imagine going on a date with this person. And like you go and see like Gone Girl and they're just clinging to you the entire time. Just like, we must hold each other. There is horror. I, quite, yeah, it'd be distracting. Get off. I watch the yeah. film. I, I didn't need Drew Goddard, and in parentheses, director of this movie, <laughs> to tell me that there are the, these are stereotypes. I know that already going. I know that already going into the theater. I also didn't need him to waste my time with his own version of collecting a bunch of unoriginal stereotypes to further waste my time. Wait, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. What? It's a strange one, isn't it? That people That's... couldn't like, miss the, just miss the point so so much. Yeah. Like, uh, like, did they? Uh, how can you watch this and think, oh, all they're trying to do is the same thing everything else has done, but they're trying to be funny or waste my time? They must waste my time. I genuinely, yeah. Why would you leave that review that's like, oh, you should have called it a different name? It was a waste of my time. That doesn't say anything. Okay. I understand if people don't like it, but I find it very strange to just like go on the internet. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a difference between not liking something and then going, 
oh, it wasn't for me, but I can still see the value in it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Well, we get, again, talking to Cabin in the Woods and that ending, which was yeah. apparently bad, according to someone on MDB. <laughs> it turns out that Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver's the boss in it, which is a yeah, a good just, a good thing. That's the thing. I I was I was so happy part when I first watched this, partly because I'd like, um, I'd like I think because her voice is the one that appears first, isn't it, through the loudspeakers? And I clocked it, and I was like, that's Sigourney Weaver, um, star of all my sex dreams, and <laughs> like, I just oh my god. And as soon as she came down in that suit with the gloves, and I was like, "Yes, just perfect." And I like, I don't think they could have gotten anyone else. She is the ultimate horror icon. Maybe Jamie Lee Curtis could have pulled it off, um, but no, brilliant, fantastic, and her getting axed in the back by Patience Buckner was brilliant. <laughs> So apparently when she was on set, she, she was really excited about the werewolf. She was like, oh, is the wolfman coming today? I really want to see the wolfman. And when, the, you know, obviously the final, because that's a practical costume as well. Uh, when, that, when the wolfman finally came, she was just like, apparently she just went mad for it. She was like, it's so cool. And that is why she's forever my baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was another film like around the same time where it was like a little reveal that Sigourney Weaver is in. Is that Paul? A sort of like comedy film? I remember it. Comedy Isn't is stretch, that? but yeah. <laughs> I like Paul. I'm a I'm a bit of a Simon Pegg, uh, Nick oh, Frost fan. So. I'm absolutely. But the thing is, I think Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are always at their best with with proper Edgar Wright going on. You know. Uh, no, I just, I thought that Paul was a bit too Judd Apatowy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I I enjoyed it, but I think I just I love I love Simon Pegg and Nick mm. Frost. They're just like yeah. <laughs> I spaced was I always say spaced as my spaced young one. Spaced is fantastic, <laughs> and oh, I love it. It's got all the genre bending that like Community does, but in this wonderfully British way. No, and a, and a proper love for horror in spaced as well. Mm. You know, it makes sense that they went on to make Shaun of the Dead and things. You know, it's just fantastic. Like, yeah. yeah, brilliant and. I know everyone says Hot Fuzz is the better one, and I know that we don't talk about World's End. Um, oh, I love World's End. Really? I love, love, love I World's the, End. I had the same problem with World's End that I had with the adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide, which is that it is not an ending just to have Bill Nye turn up and do his voice. That's not an <laughs> ending. That's not. Oh, well, I like Bill Nye's voice. I can just oh, watch a film with just Bill Nye's voice. voice. That's why they always pick Bill Nye. But... <laughs> It's not the same as a satisfying conclusion to a narrative. Yeah. I mean, Shaun of the Dead is something special, I think, that film. That's oh, just... absolutely. Again, that's one I must have seen like 20 times. Yeah, I think I saw it three times at the cinema when it came out. I just kept going back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So my parents went to see it at the cinema and then uh, they uh, got the DVD as soon as possible and then they showed it to me and they were like, this is going to frighten you, but it's going to be a good frightening and it scared the piss out of me because I was nine and I was like, zombie's going to get me. Um, <laughs> but I loved it. And uh, yeah, just fan. Yeah. And just such a, it's just so well crafted, that one. Mm. Oh, I can talk about yeah, it's the Dead Yeah. Um, you're saying about your parents showing you sort of horror films and stuff. Were they big into like horror films as well when you were growing up? So it was more that my parents were into really, like, my dad especially was into really weird films. Um, 
and I was always like as a kid I was always into weird musicals so they started me off with uh, when I was very young with uh, Little Shop of Horrors which I love to this day good um, practical effect wonderful practical <laughs> effect um, so Ellen Green who plays um, Audrey uh, so the actual puppet in that the giant bloody puppet uh, the lips on Audrey 2 are, are, are taken from Ellen Green's lips so they're actually plaster moulded from that awesome right <laughs> yeah um so yeah i started off with of course director's cut of little shop of horrors with total destruction rather than pick it, it is better. i only saw that recently i bought the my uh, girlfriend well, had the blu-ray of it yeah yeah and i was I, I knew that existed that ending but i was watching it and i was like hang on this is different oh, yeah. God, it's, it's, it's that ending you know it works so much better yeah. doesn't it it's such a good ending fact, yeah. you know that ellen green you know when she says you know don't you see though let the plant eat me finally i'm gonna be somewhere that no like so we started on little shop of horrors and just like whatever was like weird so my dad showed me wicker man because uh, that one's not very gory you know um yeah and we just kind of built built our way up to um so we start they really started me off with more sort of like thriller reaction stuff and then got me into horror so by the time i was like 12 i was watching the godfather and i was watching pulp fiction i remember watching with my dad a lot uh, we watched Shaun of the Dead a lot, like, just pretty much, it wasn't just horror, I think my dad was just a massive kind of, like, film and theatre nut, um, so, but it was a, it was a mix of things, um, and I used to, you know, this was back in the days of, you know, DVD and VHS rental shops, um, so I used to go and I used to see what I could get away with, um, asking them to rent, and, and my favourite one that me and my dad watched together when I was young is a lovely little underrated gem called Slither. You know Slither? Yeah. Oh my! Oh my! My DVD of it's been put away. I was watching. I watched it the other night again. But yeah, really? love Slither. Oh, yeah, love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And we were both screaming our heads off. Like I don't know why that one got to us, but it, it really did. I think. It, it, yeah. Yeah, like Slither's then, great film, man. and James yeah. Gunn's obviously gone on to do like big things since. Well, yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> But you watch yeah. that and you sort of think you knew. I think I like you knew he was going to do like go on to do good stuff. That and the film he did after that, Super, just oh, amazing. Film, Aaron yeah. showed me Super um, a few months ago, and as soon as like Rain Wilson starts having that hallucination, I'm like, oh, this shit is dark. James Gunn is very impressive, generally. Yeah, I really, like, yeah, I, re I really like uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy films that he did, and um, so uh, yeah, I've just. Yeah. Sacrilege! I have not seen them. I have not seen any Marvel film. You're not into the, the Marvels or something. Yeah, all right, yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I think I've seen. I've picked up bits here and there. Like, you know, I think I saw like the Winter Soldier on TV at one point, or like half of it. And I was like, ah, oh, Hugo Weaving or Jeremy Irons. I can't tell which one you are under the makeup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Winter Soldier is the best one. Winter Soldier is yeah. the like. I'm yeah, the Winter Soldiers are like a, a very, very good film. The rest of them are like they're great, like big sort of like mm. um, spectacles, and they're good. But that I think Winter Soldiers genuinely like really like well made, great film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where um, I have to be kind of really in the right mood for a superhero film. And if I am, it's a bit overkill as well, isn't it? It's a bit just sort of there's too many of them. Yeah, you've got to watch like twenty to get ready for it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> Aaron's parents were like, do you want to come, should we all go see Endgame? And I was like, I don't want to spend 14 hours watching Marvel movies just to understand anything that's happening. There's a yeah. gauntlet, there's a purple man. Um, yeah. Um, and I, it's one of those ones where I know I'll get round to it eventually. Um, they are good, they're fun, they're good fun films. Yeah. So, you know. They're the opposite of the good practical effects, though, because literally everything in those films is CGI. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, that's kind of part of the issue I had with the first Avengers, because I enjoyed it, but I was like, does this need to be entirely CGI, all of it? <laughs> like, yeah. okay, fair enough, the Hulk. You don't want to go back to the TV show Big Man with Green Paint on, but. Oh, well, I would love that. <laughs> Blue Ferrino running around. Yeah, and then it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are, are there any like more like recent horror films that you've like really enjoyed and really got into? Well, see, this is the problem. My memory is absolute garbage. Um, so uh, I recently, and this is technically a rewatch, but it is also I think a very underrated gem. And I thought about doing it for this podcast actually, uh, but it's called Pontypool. It's from two thousand eight. I don't know if you know it. Yes, I've not actually seen it though, but I've heard it's well, very good. It's one of those ones I think it's on like my list somewhere on one of the streaming sites. It's, it's yeah. definitely one of. I remember when it came yeah. out that it was getting a lot of like hype, but I just never got around to seeing it. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was it's really great, and um, it, so it's essentially the idea is that it's a, a zombie virus that's carried by by words and sound. Which is and the the and, and uh, Stephen McCatty is he was a fantastic Canadian character actor one of, like he's brilliant I can't express uh, just how great he is in everything he shows up in uh, but he's the main kind of character and it's just all set in a radio station in like the Canadian like small town shithole and um, yeah I really need, like it's just it's one of the few kind of like twists on the zombie genre that I really have a lot of time for. Um, and since on a similar vein, I can't remember the name of it. It was a French film um, where a man gets trapped in a sort of Paris flat for months upon months upon months, following a, a zombie apocalypse. Essentially, I've not heard of that. I don't know what that uh, is. That sounds good though. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna. Um, uh, oh, it's alive. I think. Oh, I'm not. I've never heard of that. That sounds good. Yeah. French, is it? I believe it's French, yeah. Let me have a look. I don't know. Yes, yeah, Alone. Alone? Uh, yeah, it's called Alone or Seul. And, it, yeah, it's a French film that, um, yeah, great, again, brilliant acting. And a lot of it is kind of like isolation and just kind of how you deal with not going absolutely batshit insane. Seems fairly prescient at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, I think it was no. So alone is, I think, is a remake of it. I think the actual one I'm thinking of is called The Night Eats the World. That's the one. So alone has the exact same plot, I believe, but that came out this year. And yeah, it's The Night Eats the World, and it's from 2018, 2017. So right, yeah, that's. Uh, I'll have to look that up. That sounds like a really interesting idea. I like a um, sort of a low budget film set in one setting. You know, like saying about the yeah. mist and stuff. I like that, like that idea. Mm-hmm. God. You know, I've heard good things about Pontypool. I think the reason I didn't watch it because it came out around a the time there was loads of zombie films coming out. Yeah, I think I was, was a bit overwhelmed with zombie stuff. I was getting a bit sick of just watching zombie movies. Yeah, so, see, yeah, I, I, I remember, I, like, I fully bought into the zombie craze. I was like watching absolutely everything, uh, including, you know, the only good thing Zack Snyder's ever done, which is obviously the Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, 
Uh, which again, special <laughs> statements. <laughs> the, first, the first 10 minutes of that are amazing, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember on Channel 4 when it came up, they showed that first 10 minutes. And I watched oh. that and I was like, oh, because I, I mean, I love Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. It's like, that film means a lot to me, Dawn of the Dead. And I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, watch that. And I was like, oh, this, this looks it was pretty good. And when I went to see it at the cinema, we were no. greatly disappointed. But that came out the same year as Shaun of the Dead, I think, didn't it? The Dawn of the yeah. Dead remake. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think the, the Dawn of the Dead remake shouldn't be called a Dawn of the Dead remake. It's just a zombie movie in a mall. It does not have any of the same messaging, like any of this anti-consumer, anti-capitalist sort of imagery. Uh, it really is a fun zombie romp with Ving Rhames, always a bonus. <laughs> um, but not, it, it, it did not give me any of the, you know, to, to, to steal a word from the youths, the feels that um, the original Dawn of the Dead did. I've not seen it since I saw it at the cinema, and I know it's like a well-loved film, uh, the Dawn mm. of the Dead remake. I, I, I maybe I should go back and watch it again. But, uh, I think if you go into yeah. it, well, it without connect- thinking about it as a Dawn of the Dead remake, it is yeah. it is well worth your time. Uh, but no, the thing about Pontypool is that it's very much not. Uh, it doesn't feel like a zombie movie in that zombies appear for a relatively minimal amount of, of screen time. Um, and because they're they're constantly talking and echoing each other, it's very it, it gives a very different feel. Yeah, no. But if you like that kind of tight setting, besieged kind of thing, and I think you'll love the acting in it. It's brilliant acting. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, that might be a uh, that and the uh, was it the night eats the the night eats the world. Yeah. Yeah, night eats the world. That's the two recommendations I think I'll take from this. I think I'll have to help them out. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, thank you very much for doing that. I hope you enjoyed it. And, I really uh... did. It was great fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Cheers. No worries. All right. Thank you for having me.